Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. Yeah, you know, Baka! 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 Baka. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baka Baka Baka. We are an anime podcast. What do we do? Every two weeks, we watch an anime and then we come together on this podcast and we talk about it. You listen in and then you fill in with comments or email messages or forums, wherever you find us. And you continue that discussion, improve that discussion. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us what your opinions are, because we're just three Bacas and we don't hold ourselves in high regard. So that is the concept of this show. And to talk about the anime, uh, which is Fena Pirate Princess today, I need the help of my co-host. And first off. We have the Tim Curry to my Long John Silver Pirate crew. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, recently there was uh, an interesting show that started airing. It's called Sweet Tooth. Have you guys heard of it or watched that's, the trailer for it? That's the one Robert Downey Jr. produces, right? The yes. deer kid? Yep. <laughs> and um, I was just really curious about it. And so Tanya and I binge watched it. And I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised um now of course it's it's a bit different from the comics you know obviously we haven't read those but as soon as we finished watching it we went and looked them up um but it's really interesting what they decided to do it's it's i would go as far as to say they they definitely made it more of a a kids show (laughs) than the comics were because the comics get dark they are essentially like the Walking Dead. Like mm. the the hybrid children sometimes hunt each other in packs in the comics. Oof. Like yeah, it is it is crazy stuff. But um, but the show was entertaining. It was nice. Um, it definitely had some pretty dark waters. There's like that that sense of we happy few where the people living inside of a small community how do they how do they handle their day-to-day lives worrying about this pandemic that they're dealing with. And it's very different from our own pandemic. Um, and they go to extreme measures and the extreme measures are pretty insane to watch because all of them pretend that everything is just fine and everybody's happy and we're still getting together and we're singing and we're having parties and stuff. But you know, if anybody winds up showing symptoms, then look out because things kind of rapidly spiral. But uh, it's it's really interesting. Um, I I recommend it. It's pretty cool. All right. We also have the Larry the Cucumber to my pirates who don't do anything. Jason, how are you doing? I don't know. Um, I don't. <laughs> you don't know Larry the Cucumber? No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's... I'll send you. I'll send you some silly songs later. You're gonna love them. Veggie tales. There you go. <laughs> uh, I've been. Uh, well, the new Path of Exile came out, and I'm not playing it. So, I just wanted to give that update for Troy. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I've been uh, playing uh, Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. It just got released. Um, been having quite a bit of fun with it. It's not as scary as I was hoping it would be. Uh, it definitely has an alien isolation vibe to it because uh, it's the first free roam game in the series, uh, but lots of lore. So, you know, s- 
snatching that up. It's got a it's got an endoskeleton part where if you look at them, they they don't move, and you can kind of go around them. But the moment you look away, they start coming at you. So Ooh. those are fun. But the most <laughs> annoying and scary guy so far I've run into is every time you go into a new area, it's this like security bot that grabs you and there's like here's a map and so it's a new map for the area he's like take the map take the map and if you try and get away from him he just gets in front of you and he's just like take the map take the map (laughs) (laughs) he's just but like he comes out of nowhere he just spawns behind you and grabs you and he's like yeah a lot of fun um i heard a rumor that uh the guy making the five nights at freddy's isn't going to be doing that anymore is do you know anything about that is that true yeah, there's a big old story behind it that I'll okay. uh, I'll get was, get into later. But was this uh, his last title, or was this yeah. somebody else? Okay, no, cool. no, no, he was heavily involved in this, so this was his last that, title. Yeah, so I was curious, like if there was any kind of flavor difference, if somebody else stepped in or or whatnot. But if it was oh, his title, that makes there's sense. all the little trinkets here and there, and flavors here and there uh, of uh, de- of Scott in in this game. So cool. yeah, it's de- definitely influenced by him. Okay, cool. That was that was fun. And my <laughs> name is Troy. Uh, audio audience, that was Troy taking the longest sip ever. Some delicious chamomile tea too. Um, what have I been up to recently? So this will come out right after Christmas. So I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays to whatever you celebrate. Uh, Glad we could be here for it. But so Hawkeye will have finished, but I have one episode left to watch to come out. Look, there are people who hate on. And I get it. I get the argument. Like, why does a guy with a bow and arrow, not even a gun (laughs) with a bow and arrow stand next to a guy who can summon lightning? The guy in a metal suit that can fly. (laughs) Like it doesn't. But the arrows explode, man. It's all been good for me ever since Avengers 2, where Hawkeye himself says, we're on a flying island full of robots, and I have a bow and arrow. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to go out there and do my job. And I'm like, that's my boy right there. (laughs) That's that's all I needed. Um, I love archers in comic books. I love the Hawkeye character in the MCU. And this show is also very much stylized with like a 1980s action movie set in Christmas time. Think die hard type type humor and a movie action scene set to Christmas music is my jam. That is so fun. <laughs> anyway, I, I just am really enjoying it. Uh, they've been pulling in different stuff from the NCU like they always do, but I just think Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is a, is a great character. And this has been one of my favorites of the MCU Disney plus shows. Uh, right up there, probably with WandaVision, rather than like Falcon and Winter Soldier and even Loki. Um, just because, you know, it's 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 been fun. It's a fun show. They're just having fun with it, and I enjoy that. There's nothing wrong with archers. They're cool. <laughs> when you say action set pieces to Christmas music, all I think of is, now I've got a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Right, but that's a great thing to think of. That's what that's what I was going for. Like associate. Right. No, 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 that's what we're agreeing with you. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, oh, Die Hard is the best though. Yeah. I, I, since this has come out after Christmas, I would have watched Die Hard with 
Hans Gruber falling at midnight to start Christmas Day. That's how I do <laughs> Christmas Eve every night. They got to start die hard at the exact time so that Hans falls at midnight. And that's the best. The best way to celebrate. Right. No bathroom breaks. No, no. <laughs> you, you commit. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the anime that we're here to discuss, which is Fena the Pirate Princess. Now, normally we... We have one of the Bacchus picking it, or we have picked something that was recommended to us or suggested from the audience. Uh, with everything that's happened recently, we kind of went with a group pick, especially because what's coming up next is our year-end and New Year picks. Um, and we just kind of wanted to start fresh, plus it's my next pick, and I, I didn't want to pick twice in a row. Because Anyway, so we watched Fan of the Pirate Princess. Jeremy, what did you think of it with your non-spoiler review? Uh, so non-spoiler review, this is definitely like a sprig of parsley as opposed to a meal. Um, it's very refreshing. It's very cute. It's very sweet. But it did not leave me feeling satisfied. <laughs> um, and I think part of that is not just uh, what they chose to do story-wise, but also the music. The music has this very gentle sense, romantic tone to it. That just the entire time the the show feels like it's very subdued to me. Not to say that the action scenes aren't actiony because they are, but there's a tone of the entire show that is just a lot more relaxed than I'm used to seeing. And I guess that's just not my jam. But um, I do have to say the art is beautiful. The characters were for the most part pretty entertaining and funny. Um, but yeah, it sort of a take it or leave it. Definitely refreshing after our latest string of anime, though. I'm really happy right now because if I can get you and listeners just saying my jam about things, I'll feel like I have put a positive <laughs> oh influence into the world. All right, my Jason, what do you, you think? Um, it was definitely not as impactful as a lot of titles that we've seen. Um, the one thing that I was astounded by uh, is the budget for the animation is must have been tremendous for this anime. It is gorgeous from episode one to twelve. Um, the opening, the scenes on the water, especially um, even the ending, like uh, the the ED, like everything was just top notch animation. Um, the story is. It feels like there was a lot of loose ends that they didn't really care about because it was more important about the friends we learned along and lessons we learned <laughs> along the way than it was about the actual, you know, conclusion of the story. Um, there's and yeah, so we'll, we'll get into it deeper. Uh, I've definitely got some issues with it, but I didn't hate it. It, it was it was an okay ride. Yeah, those are. Really, my sentiments match you guys, which is the worst. I like when we argue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. It's just this was really this just really hit the the peak of the bell curve in almost every way for for anime we watch. Um, it, it's beautifully animated, but there's not a lot of crazy fight scenes. Even though you know it's it's pirates versus ninjas, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be intense, and it wasn't. There's some good action scenes, and then there's a lot of episodes where there aren't, and then. The characters are super likable, but they're not super lovable. <laughs> like, they're not super memorable. I, there's no characters I'm going to be thinking about, you know, a year from now. And, and the plot was competent, 
it did what it wanted to do, but I never felt hype about it. But I was always enjoying my time with this. And we did pick this as a bit of a palate cleanser. We said, you know, we want something PG after. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Not only have we had like mature and dark stuff, but we'd also had like real head scratchers and, and, and just kind of stuff out of our wheelhouse. So it was like, let's just have something simple and nice. And this very much was that. And I very much enjoyed it for that. But it never takes any big swings, never does anything to set itself out as a as a raising the bar in anime or anything like that, which is fine. I, that's not really a knock against it. But how I felt after after coming to the end, um, had some high moments, had some low moments, and we're going to discuss them. Uh, I, I, and honestly, we're, let's talk about the OP and the ED, but I felt the exact same way about them. Like, I let them play but i can't sing them now <laughs> so what do you guys <laughs> the song for the op i thought was really good um and it fit the visuals very well uh and again the visuals were just gorgeous uh this is i could gush about the visuals for this anime all day um just everything was almost rotoscoped um especially that like opening close-up of the girl uh, I'm I'm unsure if it's Fena or Helena, but um, spoiler. <laughs> uh, but uh, talk about the it, the dogs since you love talking about pets in the non spoiler section. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pets are not spoilers in my opinion. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, they were great. The ED was was good. I just I, I, not memorable. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> The intro will haunt me for a while. So Record of Lodos War has a very similar sort of singing style, and I kind of liked it back in the day, but there's something about having the song start with that sort of, I don't know, I want to call it like a Celtic belting at the very beginning. Just, I don't know, that <laughs> doesn't flow very good on my ears. I, I, it always kind of messed me up every time I heard it. So I kept fast-forwarding. So I'm like, don't do that, don't do that. It's okay to be wrong. That's fine. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> um, and but but again, yeah, Jason's a hundred percent right that the uh, the art is gorgeous. Um, Did you hear that, Troy? Did you hear that? He's a hundred percent right about the art. Um, <laughs> Troy, but, edit this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no. Um, but but the ending, I don't know. It had some. It had a couple interesting shots that. I really didn't understand until the very last episode <laughs> where it was like, oh, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, OK, OK. Um, so in a way, I can appreciate that because, you know, that's what we always look for is show me something cool that'll almost be like a, a gotcha moment after I understand what's going on, but isn't going to be a spoiler ahead of time. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I, I really didn't like the uh, outro either. But in both cases, it was it was like I wasn't. They weren't actively irritating. It was just, I really don't, I guess they were then. I really don't want to listen to this. <laughs> this is amazing. The, the intro, especially the way the intro would start, reminded, reminded gave me thoughts of Vivi. And, and that kind of perfectly encapsulates what I'm saying about, like, it doesn't go for, like, Vivi did almost, you know, uh, here's a woman singing her own intro to her own anime. But then Vivi like weaved it into the story and did something we've never seen before and, and really stood out. And this 
this just kind of did it at its OP. And I was like, okay, this isn't that special. And I'm, I'm ready to go on to the episode now, even though it, again, it was good. It was confident. It was, it was doing something very similar to one of the peaks, but it, the bar has been raised and, and you're not hitting it. So. Um, before we go on to our spoiler section, just to make an announcement of our next episode, in case you are not wanting to continue on past the spoiler section, uh, it is the end of the year. And so for the holidays, while we take a break from give ourselves a little bit of a break, we watch a movie instead. We were going to watch Japan Sinks 2020 uh, or Tokyo Sinks 2020 because I thought it was a movie and we had a request for it. It is not a movie. And I'm so sorry. I told them we were going to watch it. I don't know if we will be now. Uh, so we're going to watch Star Wars Visions because I've been really wanting to get that on the show for a while. Uh, it's not really a movie, but it is an anthology in the time length of a movie. Um, Star Wars is my one true love, you know, even before anime. So getting to have an anime version of Star Wars that I get to talk on the podcast that we do together is, is very exciting for me. So this has always been a plan B I had and, and now I get to do it. So we're going to. We're going to do our first anthology on the, the show, and I'm excited for that, too. And uh, if you guys think our anime arguments are crazy, wait till you see Star Wars. Oh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to put a, like, no talking about The Last Jedi rule <laughs> in place. We'll, we'll figure that out later. Um, yeah. But that's what we'll be watching for our, our next episode. And so, now, uh, the only one of us that hasn't, like, seen a bunch of episodes is me, right? Because I haven't watched any of it. Yeah, I've watched half of them. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna watch them again. <laughs> well, no, I'm like not saying you're. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying it for context at this moment. Like I'm the only one that's going into this fresh. So. Yeah. Well, I'll be fresh for half of it, but yeah. Okay. Let's go back to Fenna Pirate Princess. So now we are going to our spoiler section. So spoiler warning is being dropped. If you do not want to have it ruined for you, if you decide you want to check this uh, Crunchyroll Adult Swim combo done by IG Productions, if you want to check it out, now is the time to turn off the podcast. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and ruin everything. Um, and we'll start. <laughs> we'll start with episode one, which starts in the past. Uh, so we're in. Pirate times. I don't know what year pirate times are. <laughs> I think it's like 17 or 1800s or something. Yeah, the French Navy is really powerful right now, um, and we see um, a ship being attacked by what we assume are pirates, and a young girl is saved by a young boy and her father, who put her in a rowboat and, and send her away and tell her to, or the the father says, you need to find Eden. And then we catch up with this girl when she's an adult woman later in life. And she has been captured by a brothel and they are getting ready to sell her innocence away. And as she goes into planning her escape, uh, this is our main character, Fena. There was a weird thing here that just I, it kind of blindsided me a little bit because I didn't expect them to choose this story beat. But they actually explicitly state that she is choosing to sell herself this way. Like, she wasn't even caught and sold. She decided to put herself up for sale in the brothel. And I just thought that was kind of weird. Um, I expected her to be more like, you know, from the slave market or something. Oh, so, uh, no, no. Because when she's talking to the redhead and she's formulating her escape, uh, the redhead says it. And then I believe the redhead says it. And then later, when the guy's bringing her up there, he said, you, you made the decision to sell yourself. So 
I thought the auction was her idea, but I, I don't think she's free to leave the brothel whenever she wants, though. You could be right. I guess the thing that really made me think that is that she's still a virgin, so she hasn't been at the brothel for very long either. Uh, I, I guess my assumption was that she ended up at the brothel, was raised by the brothel with the intent of, hey, someday you'll work here. And then knowing that's about to start, she's like, hey, I have this great idea. Why don't we auction me off? Because then she can formulate an escape plan with it. That was my assumption and mm-hmm. what they were talking about. There but are conversations a, in here. I I was like, I don't fully grasp what's happening. I'll be honest. She was also a bride to be, though. He was expecting to marry her is what. That is she, true. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, but. What you said does make sense because I was wondering where, where was she raised? But being raised by the brothel would make more sense. Just not used, which that's kind of weird. I don't know. I guess the general sense that we need to have is that she's not free to leave because when she tries to leave, that goes very badly. And, Mm -hmm. um, but she also has made, like you said, uh, this auction was her idea. So she is in some ways instigating all this trouble. Um, and her escape plans are adorable. Yeah, oh my does. god! Yeah. Actually, let's they, let's they, talk let's talk about Fedda. What do you guys think of of this main character? She she is tough to get around. She's funny and cute and fairly interesting. Um, <laughs> is the best way I can put it. Um, I love Seth. Yeah. Uh, very airheadish, so it's really tough to get a hold of like. I care about this person and their decisions because most of the decisions they make are either forced or divinely inspired. And I just, uh, I cared more about her relationship than her. And even at the end, I just left me very confused. So yeah, even thinking about it now, I'm not hundred percent sure how I feel about this character. I, I I liked her just because she made me laugh. I thought she was really funny when she was on screen. Um, she had a good sense of humor. And the relationship, <laughs> Tanya watched the first episode with me. And she says, oh, okay, I get it. So from the first episode, we learned it's uh, your boyfriend can abuse you. That's totally funny. <laughs> he's like whacking her on the head and everything. She was joking, obviously. Don't don't think she's serious. But um but yeah, we we cracked up about that. She's yeah, and and go ahead. Your wife stole my joke. Like I, I had that all set that up. Like, your... hey, hey, here's this great character who knows how to beat around a woman when he's yeah. getting quiet. Yes, because right. hey, she's running her mouth too much. No, but but <laughs> <laughs> disavow, disavow. <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> but but it was uh it was adorable, and I, I've also got to say that. The art style that they used for her and for the other female characters, it was like they were drawing action figures. I, I don't mean like, uh, I guess I'm saying manga action figures, right? Like the anime models like back there, right? Um, because the way that they sculpted the bodies, you don't normally see that when they're, when they're drawing them up in, in anime. They had, like you mentioned earlier, Jason, that the art quality almost made them look rotoscoped or 3D where like, when they moved, you got that sense of three-dimensionality to them because it was maybe mapped onto uh, something that made a little more sense, like a, like a 3D model or something. 
So it was it was really cool. That was cool to see. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as story wise and her development as a character, um, she I don't think that she was capable of holding her own as the protagonist. Definitely, um, Yukimaro had to fill that role. I think, if anybody, just felt like the story was happening to her and not with her mm-hmm. or because of yeah. her. Yep. Like when she did make decisions that mattered, it was always with a sort of, why are you making that decision? I don't know. I just am. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, the decision was you want to go left or right. It wasn't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about the extent of the decisions that she makes. <laughs> no, she also. They weren't right. I like the character. I. <laughs> I enjoy her spunky attitude. I felt she was a breath of fresh air. And actually, from from this first moment, um, instead of being, like, dreading what's coming up, like, she's trying to take charge of her situation. She's owning her life. And and she was spunky. And I I enjoy a good spunky character. I I found her very fun. I I, I don't think there's any characters I dislike. um, Mm -hmm. But I I thought she was a fun female protagonist. I I was down with it. Mm-hmm. My jam, I guess. Okay. Really? We're going there again. <laughs> over and over. I've committed now. They're really inculcated. <laughs> yeah. All right. So she is eventually taken away to have her business conducted. And her whole plan is like, oh, I'll get up onto the second floor and then I'll knock him out and I'll steal all the money he brought. And I'll jump out the window and I'll escape to my freedom. And they're like, hey, we're going to the third floor. She's like, oh, no, um, I don't I don't want to go anymore. Never mind. And they're like, no, you're going. Um, and they throw her around a little bit. And then th- these two old guys and their names are <laughs> Solomon Deus Ex and, and Machina. And no, no, uh-uh. you don't get to do that. <laughs> there are some things in this anime. They're like, because these characters don't stick around very long, which was weird. But yes. Very weird. So with, with the story we get, I definitely had some like a little bit of Magnificent Seven. You know, we have Seven Samurai um, show up, but this these two gave me uh, Forbidden Fortress, aka the inspiration of Star Wars. So three PO and R two D two vibes. The the clumsy oafs who are trying to rescue a princess, and I, I'm wondering if that's what they're going for is a little bit of of shout out to old Japanese cinema with these characters because it was weird that they don't exist more than just like this episode and like five seconds at the end. Um, But I thought, I thought they were funny and I was actually disappointed. They weren't in it more. I liked the two characters. I actually really did like these two characters. It's just that the fact that they just happened at this point to run through the window is like, okay. I did like that. They showed them before that in the bar, like getting furious about people talking about Fena. So they did a little bit, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you that it was very spontaneous that they suddenly show up in that part of the building at that moment. There were two people running on the roof, though, and so I'm guessing that was them. So yeah, they, they come in and they, they whisk her away and they run across the island to the wrong side. <laughs> so they yep. have to double back and go through and the now the, the city guard are searching for her, which is weird, right? The brothel... It has the city guard looking for a person um and, and like the guy who had purchased Fena, you know he finds out and he's super upset about all this and and meanwhile these 
they're technically samurai, but they're ninjas. Right? They're, they're like in the shadows and they're, they're leaping from rooftop to rooftop. They're ninjas. And so this group of ninjas are watching all of this and making sure that the escape goes down, even though they're, they're like watch um, Otto get the crap kicked out of them. <laughs> yeah. They're like, and let's see like, how this goes yeah, first. Let's see how this works out. Um, and then it's, I think it ends up being Otto and Fena get away. And then these other sailors are there and they're like, oh, yeah, this is that girl that was selling herself. We can get her for free. Uh, we'll just murder her and throw her into the ocean. And then suddenly ninja sword slices, wham, 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 they're all dead. <laughs> and there's a there's a red samurai guy standing there. And Fena is like, oh, that is my old friend, Yukimaru. I know it is. Yukimaru, Yukimaru. Yeah, it's got to be you. Tell me it's you. And he bangs her on the head and knocks her out. <laughs> Yep. And so this is our other main character, Yakimaru, who who is our I was telling these guys, first male Sundari we've had in like a long time that's like a true male Sundari. I, Inuyasha is the only one I could think of. There's probably been stuff we watched that. But I haven't had a good male Sundari in a while, and so I, I enjoyed him. But what'd you guys think? I enjoyed Yakimaru. Um I I know it's a anime trope for the two love interests to kind of string on their partial relationship for episode on end. It's just so tiring to watch. Uh, that's the only <laughs> thing I found I found frustrating about this was their their back and forth tit for tat. I kind of like you, even though we've been childhood friends or we were childhood friends for a really long time and we're both infatuated with each other. But, let's you know, anyways. Uh, the character do you, himself. Do you think it though, was? Do you think it was huh? justified because of the gap? Do you think that justified it at all? Um, at first, sure, but then they were on a boat with each other for literally a year. Was it Anyways. a year? Oh man! Oh, come on, they were they were sailing between continents. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I thought I, I thought it was more like a month or two. But no, maybe. multiple continents. They were sailing through and down rivers. Like the, the, this was not like a short jaunt between a couple weeks. Anyways, but they had a steamboat, so the, the, they had quick. a steam submarine. Yeah, Anyways. that'd be pretty quick. <laughs> it's you an anime. You cannot roll your eyes at they had a steam <laughs> submarine. Yeah, it's an anime, man. That's like oh, and he had like a mecca he climbed in. Oh, mecca, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was historical. It wasn't me who set the time period in real Earth, okay? This is clearly not real Earth. <laughs> of course it is. What are you talking about? No, the, the arc places are real right. places. The treasures that they're talking about are from around real places. But like, the arc and they mention real mythology. It's it's cylindric. It's a tube. It's not a square. So it can't be our world. Oh. Sure. Dome Earth. <laughs> um, anyways. <laughs> that's how they were able to get it places so quick because you know straight line they didn't have to go to the curvature there you go yeah yukimaru um i liked him i thought he was uh a bit um too close to the chest but it kind of made sense for his character um i just wish he would have opened up a little bit more to fan but yeah um i don't know i had a hard time interpreting like what his constant frustration or depression or fear or like what is it that's constantly got him so pissed off or upset or sad 
but later they they do try to answer that with like one thing i think which is you know you have a timid heart so you must cut through your fear <laughs> like okay so he's very stoic then and he's very stern because he's He's got to keep that sort of that mask on in order to maintain the forward momentum anytime he needs to make decisions or or fight or anything. Um, so I don't know. He, to me, he just seemed a little bit more. Um, I didn't really see it as a, as a Sindre. I saw it more as just like a sort of pissy guy. <laughs> and so it wasn't that great for me. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't have been more Sundari unless he said, like, it's not like I like you in or anything. <laughs> I guess. What's what's funny, you know, usually Sundaris are females and they get to, like, just wail on, on the male character. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, I don't like you. Bam! And, like, kicking yeah. him and punching him. And so for, for the male, they just have him do that, that quick that chop one. to her head. <laughs> and, yes, I had a joke that, that's gone up. But, um... <laughs> I, I love. I especially love the detail that his ears blush whenever he he thinks about Senna, and I, I thought that was a great touch. Uh, that we have this stoic character who is clearly dealing with a lot more emotion inside, but he does not like to talk about it. He does not want to open up, and then so as soon as Fena, who wants to talk about every thought that pops in her head, starts <laughs> going off, he's like, "I need I need you to shut up. <laughs> I like you, but please just stop talking. I can't handle this." Um. um- one quick question about him is in the beginning, his samurai like level of combat is near superhero level. Mm. And then near the end, it was laughably not. Um, I was wondering, is that because he got shot or is that just for story reasons? That's my justification. Yeah. Also, we, we have a competent villain. It's always like, hey, I am superhero versus. Random oh, okay. Man. He's possessed. It, He's not by possessed. a master swordsman? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, if, if the devil's great at fiddling, he's probably good with swords, too. He's not possessed. It's still I him. Mean, his eyes glow red. Something happened. Oh, that's because he's halfway to Eden. And he's a bad guy. Well, there you go. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> nah, I thought he was... It comes quick. I think they yell it in the first episode, right? <laughs> Go to Eden. <laughs> that that is how it, how this all started. All right, in the next episode, uh, Fena wakes up and she is on a little dinghy with Otto and Solomon, and they come to a storm, and then there's an island behind the storm, and the ninjas are there and they're waiting for them. Ninja Island. Ninja <laughs> Island. And and so she meets the the leader of this island, uh, whose name is is Yuki Hasa, Yuki Hisa. I think it's Yuki Hisa. I think so. Uh, you're gonna have to help me with this backstory. I wrote it down. I tried to pay attention. I'm still not sure I got it. So we find out his his ancestors were sailing looking for this treasure, got caught in a storm, landed on this island, and. Fena's father was like, hey, I'll take help you take care of you and rescued them and let them live on the island. And so they have been serving him or, or do, trying to do what he wanted, which is find Eden. Uh, but then we find out that's not actually their mission. They're still worrying about their original mission. But that is the story they get to Fena, right? Like your father saved our ancestors. So our entire clan has since then has served your father's will. Uh-huh. By training samurai on this island and just like 
making submarines and bows. And stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really interesting because um, I, I looked up some info on like, is there any real life um, correspondence? Like, are there any characters in history like this? And there are some possibilities. There's actually uh, the term Goblin Knight, which is what these guys wind up being mm -hmm. referred to as. Uh, some people believe that that is an interpretation of uh, how the Chinese called Japanese pirates. Uh, they they used a term that meant midget, very tiny. And um, and so, yeah, people think that maybe that's what the Goblin is, is like a reference to those Japanese pirates of that day. And there actually was an instance where there was, I think it was Dutch, um, so just like the anime, mm -hmm. uh, where there was Japanese pirates that wound up on an island, or maybe they weren't pirates, I think they were mercenaries, and they wound up on an island and and or serving someone. I can't remember the exact details, but it was very close. Um, but they never got called Goblin Knights in real life. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, we are going to call these guys Goblin Knights, just as to reference them, as is what the outside world calls them. Uh, anyway, she talks with this this guy, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, your father he had this. What's clear? They're going to be an iPhone someday. No, uh, it's it's <laughs> yeah. like this rectangle clear stone. And he's like, and he gave this to us, and he he said this to help find Eden, and we don't know what to do with it. Do you anything know anything about it? And she's like, I don't. He's like, Well, I'm going to need you to try to figure that out. So then she goes around, and she gets to meet the the Goblin Knights. So we already know Yakimaru, who she meets last. But she first meets uh, Karin, who is their inventor and shooter. And we meet um, Makaba, who is their strongman and the only guy who can, or he builds bows. And then we meet Shatan, who is the guy who, only one who can fire those bows because they're made so bad. And, and he's the son of the leader, right? Yes, Shatan is the son, um, younger son, because his brother That's right. not a leader. And then there's the twins, Enju and Kaede, uh, who are just the twins. You know, they do twin stuff. And and then there's Subaki, who's considered like the least skilled of them, but he cooks the food and keeps them organized. Um, he seems to be the captain as well, like as far as the boat. Yeah, he makes all the decisions, but they talk about how he is just the worst at everything. Like, he, oh, <laughs> we we won't die. He's still alive. So clearly it's He's not that canary. dangerous. Yeah. He's the canary. He is. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also clearly like making the decisions and and like, hey guys, I want you to go over here. It was a very weird relationship. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're not gonna talk about these guys individually. I did want to spend a little more time on on Shatan than the others, so um, make sure you you touch on him. But any others that you wanted to touch on? What are your guys' thoughts on the Goblin Knights? I actually really like the Goblin Crew. Um, I thought like their characters weren't too complex. Um, and they had some really decent comedic moments, uh, and it really showed that they were a, a team or a group when it came to combat. Unfortunately, the, the anime just didn't do a good job in diving into their, uh, personalities and who they were at all. Like, we, I don't think we got a backstory for any of them, which, I mean, you know, that, that they're not the the main story, you know, main part of the story and where they had a lot of story to get to, but it would have been nice to get a little more attached to these characters, but it probably would have turned into a 24 episode anime instead yeah. of a 12. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I love the twins. They crack me up. Uh, there's a there's a moment where they get referred to as monkeys because of their incredible climbing prowess, and then everything just kind of snaps into focus. For, for me and every scene after that they're always just i picture them as monkeys and it works it works really good they're constantly like talking over each other saying the same thing saying opposite things struggling and then hugging like it's just it's really really cute and hysterical the way that they uh, play them off of each other which is funny because at the very beginning when we were first introduced to them i found them irritating <laughs> it wasn't until the monkey comment that i liked them um as far as the other characters uh karen's cute but and I say that because it mattered to her. <laughs> like, she gets kneed <laughs> in the face at some point. They put Band-Aids on her. And she's like, am I still cute? So, yeah, Karen's cute. Um, but uh, but it did kind of, it was just kind of weird to me. The submarine thing also ground, grind my gears a little bit, too. <laughs> and now she's like, yeah, I, I designed this thing. <laughs> and I don't care who it is. Any one of them could have said that. And I'd have said the same thing. Like, Really? Like, how old are you? And you just designed a submarine? Like, you're not working off of something that somebody like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci or something how, designed? How, how old was da Vinci when he designed the helicopter? I'm sure that he wasn't, like, 16. He was 12. It's well known. He was a 12-year-old developing helicopters. Don't I don't believe don't you. Time for that. I do not believe you. <laughs> Let's just move on. Move it. Move it on. Move it on. I do hope that every listener right now is like, he clearly said talk about Shatan and nobody did. <laughs> no, no, no. You said you were going um, to not to, not to take too much. No, I no. wanted you guys to touch on it. Like he's a, he's a, he plays he shoots, a major part. He shoots the He is the well. only one of the crew that besides <laughs> Yakimaru that we get some backstory for. And, yeah. um, I actually really liked this character because he kind of rode that line between honor and doing the right thing for your friends, but nearly turning, you know, quote unquote bad guy because he's going to go against what the group wants to do. But then, you know, his bromance with Yakimaru kept him in line. Um, it, he was pretty sincere as well. Uh, but <laughs> in his own way, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I. I found his character actually more compelling than the others just because of his internal conflict that he, it's it's almost as if he was the only one that had a real character arc. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think you got something there. Um I'm used to seeing characters that act as that sort of pivotal decision maker of is there going to be betrayal be more um quiet and reserved and or even perhaps more aggressive. And he was none of that. He was playful and he was silly. And so to me, it was it was a strange juxtaposition of of something that I don't normally see, this sort of friendliness that you don't normally see associated to a character who may well backstab you. And it and I don't mean it in a manipulative way either. Like he was sincerely playful and, and silly. He wasn't trying to reach some goal or objective there. And it's, it's interesting that you Oh go ahead. No, you go ahead, Jason. Okay, it's interesting you say backstab because it almost could be construed as that. Mm -hmm. But what I found is I had multiple characters standing on very similar principles that happened to be diametrically opposed mm -hmm. uh, in their uh, end goals uh, or what those principles would lead them to, even though their principles were very similar. 
I found that much more engaging than I do other anime where it's just like, I'm bad because I love greed or, you know, something like that. Um, it, it did feel like quote unquote, a backstab, but not really because Mm -hmm. in like, they were just in different ideals and, uh, Shaitan didn't want to be a criminal in his own. Yeah. It wasn't for personal gain that he would betray them. It would only be because of his morals, his right. And he, and he was very much a safety for his friends, right. Mm -hmm. Especially Yakimura. Yeah. I, I think the only disappointment I had with Shaitan is that he, he made the very predictable choice. It was very predictable what was going to happen, right? He's like, oh, I'm very conflicted. We shouldn't trust her. Our, our boss told her not to trust her, and I don't think we should trust her. Okay, I trust her. I like her. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do wonder, what I because you mentioned, you know, he's very friendly with her. He's he's actually, like, the first one to really open up to her and be friendly with her. Uh, he's the one who takes her under his wing for training. And I do wonder if he did that to keep the others maybe more away or like I can keep a better watch on her. If I'm the one who's side by side with her, it'll kind of keep Yakimaro at a distance because um, his worry is is Yakimaro will get swayed by the witch and go under her control, which, you know, is insane. But fine. It's, it's just listen to his dad. He can't really help it. Um, but yeah, I do want I do wonder how because because he is very, he's the nicest one to her. And then he's like. Okay, but guys, she's the worst. We need to probably kill her, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so actually, my one of my favorite scenes in the entire anime was his backstory, where his dad's like, you know, if you guys start to go astray, you need to cut, cut the, you you know, you need to cut one of them down. And he's like, I can't attack Yakimaro. You know, father wasn't talking about that, but like that was the first thing that's implied. And the and he just immediately is like, I I can't strike my friend down. I thought that was awesome. You never see mm-hmm. that in these kind of like um, feudalistic style ninja animates type things. It's like, oh, my 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 teacher or my dad or my authority told me I need to do this for my honor. I should do it. He's like, no, I'm not going to go against my friend. And he'd probably kill me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did think that the situation was kind of odd to me it came across as a bit contrived because you have this group of mercenaries who have sworn themselves to the franz family right and i'm just saying that because i can't remember their last name so (laughs) so sworn themselves to protect franz and his offspring which is her fena um yeah and, and and yet now that they know that the sword exists that they're after an El Dorado exists, this Eden place exists and they have some idea of where to go. All of a sudden Fena is a threat. She's from that bloodline. I'm not, I don't understand why they suddenly saw her as a threat. He did specify that they were only serving Franz because Franz had mentioned Eden. It was all, they were always playing the long con. That's what, that's what he said. No, no, because he didn't mention Eden until the day he was killed on the boat. That's the first time he mentioned Eden. Right, but they knew he knew something, and no, they just because he took them in when they wound up on the beach, they served that family, and it was like they set Eden aside. This was one of the big issues I had with this: is I'm like, I don't understand why these mercenaries were okay setting aside the pursuit of Eden to serve this family all those years, however long that was. It looked like it must have been like five years, something like that, for her to grow to the state she was. Um, I'm assuming, assuming that they crashed some point when she was very, very little or not born yet, 
Um, so they would put it aside for that long until all of a sudden Franz says when he's dying on the boat, go to Eden. And Yukimaro comes back and says, he said Eden. And they're like, oh, Franz knew about Eden. We've got to get Fena. We've got to find Fena and figure out because she knows where Eden is. Franz must have put the idea and put the secrets of Eden into her mind somehow. We've got to find her. But at the same time, she's a danger and she might she's a witch. She might mislead you and we have to kill her. And that just didn't make sense to me. Like what caused them to think that she was a danger? I know they said, oh, she misleads every man that she's since well, when? They didn't even know where no, no, she no, was. It wasn't. Well, hold on. Hold on. No, 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 it wasn't her specifically. He he said that it was her bloodline. She comes from a line of witches that deceive and lead men astray. So that if you see signs of it, then that means she's doing it and you need to cut it off. So when they came to a point where they had what they thought they needed and they needed to go back, even though Fena was captured, the action of going after Fena to Shatan felt like, oh, they're all under her sway. That's why they want to go oh, yeah. back and not follow the law. That's oh. when it became, I need to, if she comes back, I need to end this because we're, we're now criminals. Right. I, I completely understand Shaitan, Shaitan's reasoning or whatever his name is, but I'm wondering about his dad's reasoning. Like, why did his dad think that this family that they encountered presumably for the first time when they crash landed and then started serving, suddenly that's a family that produces witches and it's from a long line of witches? That just I, seems like an arbitrary statement. So I, I actually assumed it was because of Abel that he had got the assumption that men get bewitched by these women because Abel had – he's the one who killed the ship, right? It was his men and him who, mm-hmm. who killed um, Franz's ship. And so I think I, – I assumed – and, and I clearly missed something because you, you picked up on something I, I didn't. I completely missed that they had been very faithful and with the purpose of being faithful. I thought it was always a long con. But I, I I assumed that his, hey, these witches, and she was burned at the stake as a witch. Um, so he, he's like, hey, these witches, I saw this guy go crazy because of her. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to assume her daughter can do the same. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It's flimsy, though. I get where Troy's coming from, but i also starting to see what you're talking about, Jerry, because how how many generations did this guy know of that family? Is he even uh, familiar with England? Cause that's where these people right. were like, was yeah. he even there for right. the burning. And also yeah. how would, how would Yuki Maro at that age know that that was able and relay that information back to the leader? Yeah. It, there's a lot of holes there. Yeah. Just to just clarify they're from France. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> they're from France, not England. She's she's the princess. Fen is the princess of France. It, but Abel's with the English Navy. Nope. French yes. Navy. French Navy. No. Blue. They looked English, but they said English. He's from France. Why would he be with the English Navy? <laughs> but they said they were they were from the, the like the Duchess Le Leon is from England. <laughs> Hell, so. Spoilers. Uh, Helena needed to have a baby with the King of England. No, King of France. Uh, he's from England. He's a British officer. Boom. <laughs> I just looked it up. 
right, I watched the English dub. Everyone was French. It was French accents everywhere. <laughs> and Joan of Arc is from France. Right. Yeah. No, it was specifically the, the prophecy or this maiden had to have a child with royal blood from the English family line. Well, here, here's another thing that's interesting. I don't know if you guys recognized it, but the last name, Armoises. Moises? That is actually the name of a uh, Joan of Arc impersonator that lived uh, shortly after Joan of Arc died. That was real. Oh. That she actually pretended to be Joan of Arc and even got Joan of Arc's brothers to believe that she was a reincarnated version of Joan of Arc for a while. No kidding. So, so they used that last name for this family line. Fake Joan of Arc. And they do say it was Joan of Arc, but years after she died, that actually fits. Because Joan of Arc didn't have any children, but Claude uh, Claude Diarmoy did. But yeah, this was the English Navy that Abel was with. Okay. Um, I one thing I want to add is about the the Goblin Knights about Karin. Um, it was really important. And then we talked forever about Shatan and his <laughs> plot line that never gets resolved in this anime ever. Like they never <laughs> even the, the the dad never like gives the blessing like, oh, I guess Fena wasn't a witch. Um, it, there's like a tiny little one scene of, of like Shatan. Maybe you're not so bad. Um, I, I also want to mention <laughs> Shatan's backstory with Yakimaru of like training and him getting his butt kicked. But then Yakimaru treats him as an equal. So he sees him as as a brother and not as like an enemy to beat. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um and then Karin, oh, her ranting. The way when she wants to explain her technology, she just goes on a rant, and then Fena just walks away every time. I love it. <laughs> I, so I, I relate to both of those. Because <laughs> I can write three – I these guys can attest. I would write three pages about explaining the Matrix. And then as soon yep. as they write three pages back, I'm like, eh. You guys hear about new Spider-Man or something? Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I relate to both those characters in that moment. And it was very much felt being seen. All right. That's all. I wanted to come back to that. Let's move on with the plot. Um, yeah, meets the characters, uh, meets up with Yakimaru. They have a bit of a fight, hits her on her head, tells her to grow up. She cuts her hair, which is, you know, the symbol of growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a woman and then she says i do remember some stuff um and i want to continue my father's work so the yakihasa is like okay take all the goblin knights take our steam-powered submarine which is totally realistic for this time period and (laughs) go go on an adventure of epic proportions and and continue your father's work so uh Quick stupid question. Uh if it's a steam submarine, wouldn't there be bubbles coming up at all times? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, but who has the it doesn't matter if you know where the submarine is if you don't have the technology to attack it. It's probably fusion. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Probably probably nuclear, nuclear fission. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I missed him a little bit in my notes, and so he's not on the show notes, but we do need to talk about the the French prince or British prince. British yeah. of his big father. So it... anyway, his name is Abel <laughs> and he, 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 he's investigating the missing brothel girl. Uh, he's doing it. I actually love the scene where he's interrogating the guy and the guy hits the, the 
the brothel girl that that knew Fena, and he's like, "You don't do that again." Um. Anyway, remember Abel, your station. Yeah, he is our our antagonist. Uh, Your guys' thoughts on him? I kind of liked him as an antagonist because he wasn't... He was definitely bad dude, right? He does bad things. He he even mentions at the end, I've I've got a lot of blood on my hands. Um, But his reasons are definitely insane. He's like super gentleman. Like... (laughs) <laughs> when it's yeah. quiet moments and he's not looking to murder somebody, he's he's a gentleman. Uh, he protects women. He makes sure people have proper manners. Um, you know, he's and he's well spoken. He's a great shot with a pistol, a three barreled pistol, by the way, which I thought was pretty rad. Um, and uh, yeah, he just he kind of reminds me. I don't I don't remember which scene that was, but like the dude that's walking in slow motion down the ship as the ship's just kind of exploding with splinters of wood everywhere. He kind of reminds me of that. Um, There's only one thing that I have an issue with, with this guy. And that is, I don't understand how he wound up having a calling to go to Eden in the end. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. Like I get it that the maidens have a calling, but he's just a guy that liked a maiden. So I don't understand why he has a calling. <laughs> but other than they, that, I thought he was a great character. They do say there is a chosen man for every woman. Not just that. Um, I think his his only role was to not only get introduced to Cody, but also to give her context and background about who who her mother was. Uh, there wasn't really anyone else who had in-depth intimate all knowledge of her mom. Did she really need to know who and, her mom was? Well, according to, I'll, I'll just say Cody for now. Um, <laughs> as they were weaving events, um, they must've found it necessary that in order to plant more breadcrumbs that they come across able and get that information. I thought they were doing it because they wanted to make sure that she would have enough challenges to be able to make a vital decision, like to cultivate a a deeper, more filled with character personality. They did mention something along those lines during the last scene, but yeah. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that (laughs) we've been getting into the weeds a bit on this, (laughs) on this pretty generic anime. (laughs) We're getting into the weeds because that's where I think Jeremy and I really get irritated with this anime Mm -hmm. that there's too many loose ends. There's not enough clean explanations and there's too much theorizing that has to go on in order to justify these really terrible plot points. I mean, okay, they're not that bad, but like to make them make sense in my mind, I have to go on these tangents because it's like, how does this fit? You don't have to apologize to me, man. It's baka, baka, baka. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what they press play for. They just want to right. hear us. Let's talk 30 minutes about this side character who doesn't <laughs> end up being relevant to the plot and figure out his entire backstory. Um, <laughs> I, people need to know. <laughs> what do you think, Mabel? We always talk about how like we love antagonists that like have a good cause that are actually like right in their justification, but then do it through evil ways. Abel's not that because he's 
he's purely self-serving. He's an entirely selfish character. And there's a scene where he, the woman he loves, is has been returned, but she's in prison and she's going to be executed. And he's like, "Don't leave me!" And I'm like, "She's about to be executed. Your problems see a little seem a little less compared to hers. What's about to happen?" And and he he seems like he's always seen it from his point of view. Except for the anime never cares about that. And he actually gets what he wants. And they, and they treat him as a tragic character who like, hey, you had this true love and you lost it and you did this horrible thing to get it back. But now you've gotten it back and, and it's resolved. When I just saw a character who was entirely selfish of like, me, 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 I need to fix. I've lost a part of me. I'm finding me not. I just want Helena to be out there and happy. No, it's, I need to have Helena for me, for myself. Um, and I'm surprised that they gave him as nice of an ending as they yeah. did. Uh, yeah, I was going to complain about that. Yeah. Otherwise, as an antagonist, I thought he was great. He's this he's this insane, self-serving guy who's literally just cutting a bloody path to get to what he's decided he needs to get to. Um, it, yeah, it just again, to me, it was bizarre that the story was like, and you all, you get a cupcake for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also want to say that um, just the relationship between him and Helena, I'm not sure at what point she did her job as La Pucelle, as the maiden. And so at what point did she forget about her history with him? And at what point was she just a blank slate creating new history with him? Like, did she show up and have no memory? And then they cultivated a relationship, like he basically cultivated a relationship I, with a blank slate? Or did that happen later and she forgot all I about have, him? She I says you were always my one true love. I have high doubts that Helena ever made it to Eden, like alive. But I, she was there though at the very end. Like her spirit was there. Her spirit was there. I don't think she ever physically went there like Fena does. I got the impression, based on the conversation that Fena had with the people there, that it was something every maiden has to do, and like situations are contrived to force them to go there. You you have to pass the test to do it. Because that's the whole thing. Like, Fenna got to that point because it, literally getting there is a test to make sure you're worthy to make the choice when you get there. It could yeah. She could have failed to get there. and Because like, she's burned at the stake. Yeah, gotten close <laughs> and then just got it captured and it was like, hey, I'm, I'm still going to Eden. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. I just assumed she, she had gone there. I thought they said something about it, but you guys might be right. Maybe she never I, did. I had actually been assuming she did too until you pointed out her memory is fine. <laughs> and then I'm like, her, wait, her memory's fine. Her hair is blonde when she's burned at the stake. Oh, the blonde hair is a really good point. Oh, yeah. I think I'm in your boat then. That's weird. Okay. Steam powered submarine. Steam powered submarine. Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the two old guys cry that they're setting out on the submarine, and they... these two old guys are the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yuki Maro compliments her hair. He hits her. <laughs> <laughs> it's loving boyfriend hits. Those are okay, right? Yep. Then Love we, see, we yeah. see Abel hiring a band of pirates to go and capture, help him capture Fena. They're French. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> some of and the English dub, some of them had French accents. What does a French accent sound like in Japanese? Do they that do accents? I didn't notice. Mm-mm. I didn't notice one either. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, they had French accents in the English dub. A lot of the, these crew. This is the O'Malley Red something. Anyway, O'Malley's Rumble, crew. Rumble Rose. Rumble Rose. Uh, an all female except for the one old guy who's driving. Um, uh, there pirate. are two dudes I, I counted on the boat, but that's about yeah. it. I only saw the one guy driving. But all right. So this is uh, what did you guys think of their crew? And I don't know any individual names except for O'Malley herself, the captain. Yeah, uh, the captain could be replaced with Miss Fortune. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could think of the whole time. Um, I, they were. I, I think my favorite was the rifle toting one. Um, she seemed to be <laughs> nearly the only competent one there. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know. They felt very. How do we push the plot forward? Ah, more pirates, and then like use them as a lever. Um, didn't really get a chance to like I was I was excited on the first meeting that we were going to get like this cast of bad guys that we're going to be able to have this back and forth across the seas with. And that just, you know, it kind of played out, but not really well. But um, until their ship gets destroyed. Oof. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was really funny, and I didn't really realize this until. Um, until I was looking at the wiki for the pirates just to find out, like, was there more story to these characters or something? But they actually have the names of real historical female pirates. Not all of them, but a handful of them do. And so that was that was kind of cool. I like that, that they did that. But um, <clears throat> my favorite one was uh, was the blonde one because they actually let her develop a relationship with one of the goblin knights, even though the two never spoke more than like one sentence. <laughs> it's great because during the combat, he, uh, um, he defeats her basically. And then he should kill her because, you know, they're killing the guys on their crew left and right, like eight men in eight seconds, they killed without a thought, hmm. but he doesn't kill her. And uh, and speaks of of how she's got a great shape and that's God's gift. <laughs> so he can't possibly take her life. And so you think from this point on that she'd be like, uh, you know, I'm going to get him. I'm going to teach him a lesson or something. Instead, she's like fantasizing about him. <laughs> and like when they meet again, she's staring at him while everybody else leaves. And then later she's sitting at a table still thinking about him. And it just cracked me up that they chose to do that with this character. Um, she had the most... Uh, time given to her as far as anyone except for the the lead um actually captain. my favorite part with her is captain goes all right which way do we go and she does this whole like i'm gonna listen yeah. to the ground i'm gonna study the ground she's like this way and they're like great thank you so much and they go the other way <laughs> yeah <laughs> unreliable <laughs> i actually felt a little disappointed by their role in the anime because their character designs were so unique, I was like, okay, so we're going to get like a, a Makaba versus the the sniper battle, like, and see specific stuff. Very, very much what you were saying, mm -hmm. Jason. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> they they clash twice um, in just a very bland, generic way. And even like, hey, let's have another fight. And they're like, no, <laughs> you'll win. You guys are better than us. We, uh, But we have the upper hand, and we're pirates, and we're going to win. Um and so I was, I was a little bummed out. And then it, the way they exit the anime was brave of the anime to do and, and, and did catch me by surprise. And I did like that. But yeah, that, I, they spent so much time. Why not just make these generic pirates then? Why not just have yeah. rando pirates 
do the same thing. You didn't need all these great character designs to make me care. I guess maybe. Yeah, I, it, it feels like a waste, I guess, and, and, and lost potential. Mm-hmm. I did. I did want to call out um, Gamer Dad's opinion of the characters. He he had said to us um, uh, the he really liked how the con- the supporting characters are constantly doing something in the background. So like the, the Goblin Knights, even if they're not in the scene, you can see them doing stuff, and it reminds him of like a D and D group, how they're they're all ma- manipulating stuff. That was a that was a good thought. I thought he had, wanted to share. All right, so we go to a trading town. To, for their first stop to get supplies, uh, the twins and Fena break away from everyone else. Also, love that Yakumaro gets stuck behind because he sucks at strategy games. Of uh, the little, they have a paper game that they all play, and he always loses. So he just has to stay behind and clean the ship. Uh, but they all, yeah, they all go to town to get supplies, and the twins and Fena go off and go shopping for clothes and have a giant meal. But they find a shop that sells rare stones and they find one that looks very similar to the clear one that they have but it's it's slightly huge and cracked a little bit much more worn um and they ask the shopkeep about it he gets a little creepy but they do eventually get the information that hey this came from a town in germany makes these and so finn is like hey that's our first clue let's go investigate and they're like that's kind of a random unlikely thing <laughs> she's like nope let's definitely go investigate and this is what i wanted to call out she does make more decisions than left and right this is actually a good call by her of of leading the investigation taking charge of the investigation and making the crew go somewhere well and then she goes and you guys are the best and they're like yeah you know what we are the best <laughs> easily go, manipulated. go for, yep go for the egos always works on me um so <laughs> And then when they're leaving, O'Malley's crew attacks them. Uh, Yukimaro ends up showing up. Him and Fena, he gets Fena out of there. They jump. They this really cool jump off of like a cliff into the lower section of the town. But he gets shot by the sniper in the arm, yes. shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, love the scene where she reaches out to touch him because he's bleeding and he backs up and his ears get all red. That was one of the favorite scene of mine. And <laughs> what? Didn't the, need to reenact it. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Very. There's not a lot of room here with this microphone set up. Um, you know, when this scene happened, I actually thought his ear was red because of carrying her on that side of his body. And I was like, man, the attention to detail is insane. You, <laughs> you got cauliflower ear you, for that jump. I kept you, wondering, why did they keep focusing in on the ears? I don't get it until yeah. you called it out tonight. I had yeah. no wow. idea. Guys, it's <laughs> Basic human emotions. You, sh- you should be able to pick them. <laughs> I'm Come learning on. about them. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's Jeremy and I. What do you mean? Like, yeah. How do we know about emotions? It's why we watch anime, to try and understand them. <laughs> O'Malley kills the guy who had bought Fena. Doesn't need him anymore. Th- hasn't thrown overboard. Uh, In chains? He's yeah. sleeping yep. with the fishes. He's dead. <laughs> and then he goes and, and does things with O'Malley. Mm-hmm. While painting, um, we close relation. we yeah. we have a a scene where Fena has a bizarre dream where she's like bending in the wind like a crazy like a crazy windstorm tree and her hair's whipping around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but then she wakes up from that. Um, yeah, this this was cool because she was hearing like white clouds or blue sea or something like that, and I thought, ooh, supernatural. This is this is getting interesting. Didn't pay off as well as I hoped. 
Uh, she changes Yakumaro's bandage. They have a fight about it. Uh, she's she, the head. She, <laughs> Tan points out that, hey, it's not like you'd actually argue with people. That That's not for what you do. And then Fena, not wanting to be useless, asks for weapon training. Uh, they ask everyone. Shatan takes her around, asks everyone. They all say no. So Shatan teaches her the bow, and then eventually everyone teaches her a little bit about everything. Uh, but she's terrible I love the at way all. It plays out too because like Shatan's like they're doing it, and then I I think it's uh, Kaban. Um, Karen. Karen. Yeah, Karen pops up. It's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Maybe you want to learn the rifle. <laughs> I love it when then, it, it kicks into her face. Right. Yep. <laughs> if you fire that gun again without my permission. <laughs> All right. Uh, they, village, they visit a village in Germany. There's a hot blonde woman there who likes Yakimaru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, she takes them to this old guy who answers their questions about the stone. Uh, basically, it was crafted there, but the stone didn't originate from this town. It was commissioned by Priscilla de Leon, a.k.a. Joan of Arc, five years after she supposedly died. We touched on that. And even though they're invited to stay the night, <laughs> uh, they they decide to leave and move on. And then we see that same Priscilla de Leon is a painting in Abel's ship. Um, and she told her, Helena! And he's like scratching the paint. Yep. Shatan gets a <laughs> pigeon from uh, uh, oh, he gets a message from a pigeon, <laughs> not a pigeon from a message. <laughs> you got pigeon. Um, Magic. <laughs> his his brother and his dad are like, hey, you know, you need to report. We find out that there's this is where they start hinting that there's more going on. Obviously, that with that dynamic that we talked a lot about, way more than the anime does. Um. They head for France next. They find a bunch of mines there, and inside these mines are a temple. They go inside. O'Malley's crew follows them, and they go through all these branching pathways, and Fena knows always the right way to take, and she's acting kind of bizarre, and Yakimaro's getting nervous about it. Until they come to this large cavern where they light with torches. It's like this blue torches that surround the whole thing. There's a what would you call that? A dais in the middle? A basin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's raised, yeah. And there's like two glass things, and you put the, the glass stone in it, and then there's a little window in it that you can look through, and then you can see some Roman numerals, and they figure out that these are coordinates. While they're looking... It's a ring. Yeah. yeah. While they're looking, Fena goes over to these graves of two people. I thought it was her dad and mom, but now I'm thinking that's probably not true. Correct, it's not. Uh, But she gets captured by the O'Malley pirates, who then get the coordinates from the by holding her hostage and then blow up the tunnel to trap the Goblin Knights in there, and they leave with Fena. I do love that on their way in, Karen was like, hey, if Tsubaki falls over, we run. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. And, like, the other guys are like, yeah, we agree. <laughs> He's our canary. <laughs> also, uh, we find out Karn is, is super superstitious and super afraid of ghosts. And she's like, this place is definitely haunted. And then the twins are putting on literal human skulls under their faces. <laughs> to freak her out. 
Those aren't those aren't Halloween masks, guys. Those are oh, serious. That's a person. <laughs> this yeah. next detail I found actually very interesting. I don't think I've ever seen a story do this where they're like, "Hey, what's uh, Yakimaru doing?" And he's like, "Oh, he's looking for any explosives that may not have gone off." And I was like, "That's true. That's fairly realistic when it comes to big packs of explosives." Um, of course, then my question is: Is how did those I don't remember those girls carrying that many explosives with them yeah. into the mines. Like, where did they get this huge container of them? So they they bring a giant cart with them, but they left it like way back, and then suddenly they had it back at the yeah. deeper right. Uh, the, the the cart teleported suddenly, but they did start with a huge giant container of explosives. Yeah. But yeah, so like you said, they they actually use those found explosives and they blow out the ceiling because they know they're under the river, flood the chamber, and able to swim out right up to their boat, which is Sumaki was waiting for him. Super easy, barely an inconvenience. Yep, I think that might be copyrighted. We might want to be careful. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Abel tells uh, Fena, "Hey, uh, so." He, she's taken to, to Abel. Um, he's very upset, actually, when he gets her because she's been scratched and has, like, rope burn. And so he, he kicks O'Malley out. Right. They, they started to slit her throat. Uh, so he kicks O'Malley out. He's like, yeah, get out of here. And then he, he apologizes to her. He's like, hey, I knew your mom. So we're cool. Um, and and then so Shatan is this. Again, we, we covered a lot of this because we got into the weeds. This That happens. Uh, Shatan's like, hey, we should go home. And everyone's like, oh, we have to go rescue Fena. He's like, actually, we don't. That's not part of our job. That is not what we're here to do. Um, and then Yakimaro's like, yeah, I'm going no matter what. And he leaves on one of those little boats where like, you just kind of row it back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And he catches up to <laughs> British giant sailboats yeah. sailing the opposite way. <laughs> okay, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. They, to be fair, they were in place for quite some time. Like, they were still together. Yes. When the cannon fire, they sail away, and Yakimaru still catches up to them. <laughs> Maybe there wasn't a lot of wind right then. No, but he's a... <laughs> yeah, yeah they, that's right. I, they drew the sails as, like, really not... What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um... Yeah, so this is where Shatan's like, yeah, we're actually just supposed to find a sword. That's all that really matters to us. Um... Yeah, and, and threatens Yakimaro. Yeah, if you go, then I'm going to have to hurt you. And Yakimaro's like, I will kill anyone that gets in my <laughs> way. And Shatan, like, immediately puts the sword down. It's like, okay, bro. <laughs> then we get a scene where Fena meets the the boy who helps Abel, whose name is Cody. And Cody's always very mysterious in every scene he's in. He's always just saying random stuff. But it's like, yeah. okay, random guy who's saying random stuff. I guess well, you he, what's going on. <laughs> he seems like he's between 12 and 15, or at least that's the way he's yeah. drawn. But he talks as if he's like 45, 80. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he talks you know, way beyond his years. O'Malley gets upset because of a whole necklace debacle thing. Uh, <laughs> and so she thinks, so she attacks Fena drags her out she thinks they like abel's sleeping with her because of the necklace matched or something it, it was weird mm-hmm. um yeah. but he he shoots at her <laughs> abel shoots at her and he's like I, i'll i'll kill you if you touch her 
Did she let him blow go? His, blow apart her earring that she had? I know no, it, it hit her hair, hair, but I didn't see the yeah. earring. Yeah, might have been. And she's like, well, at least tell me the coordinates to, to the place. And he's like, nope, get off the boat. You're done. <laughs> nope. So she goes back to her boat and she's like, get the cannons ready. I'm sick of this guy. Oh, we're breaking up. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, then kind of sees the painting of her mom. Uh, then we come back to the goblins and they've. They when they found out that Shatan's brother was coming, they're all like, "Yeah, maybe we should just go home and not get murdered uh, by your crazy <laughs> evil brother." But then the next morning, they're all like, Ooh, "I think we chose wrong." And they're all, uh, we see it from Makaba's point of view. So like he goes out to get to the rowboat to go after Yakimaru, but everyone else is already there and like or popping up behind him. And then they're like, "Maybe since it's all of us, we should take the big boat." <laughs> <Instead> <laughs> Except for Shatan, who shows up and he catches them, and they're like, "Yeah, but it's Yakimaru, and your job is to protect him. Are you really gonna not go protect him?" And they said, "Okay, we'll go protect him." So they sail off to go help. Um, steam submarine off to go. Steam submarine, and then so now we have O'Malley's boat is attacking Abel's boat and so abel's like yeah get that one cannon ready and the captain's like the mag cannon ready that's for destroying like entire forts and he's like get it ready yeah it's his magnetic accelerator right that's what it looked like didn't it yeah it it was a it was a well animated scene though they fire that thing and like the front of o'malley's boat just disintegrates and then but then they're all just standing on what's left of the deck deck like bewildered as it explodes underneath them um some of them survived, but yeah. For the rest of the story. That, but... Yeah, same. Yeah. O'Malley's crew is dead except for a cameo of a few characters. Mm-hmm. And one of them is not O'Malley. <laughs> well, one of them's a treasure from God. That's right. <laughs> Senna saw this happen and is really upset and then starts having flashbacks of the attack on her ship when she was a child and realizing, wait... These guys are wearing the same color coats as the guys who attacked my ship. And she really starts freaking out. The blue Yaki- demons. Yakimaru shows up, starts protecting her. Abel shoots him. And then he's like, yeah, put Fena back downstairs. Kill this guy. And right before they do, arrows come flying in, hidden soldiers in the neck. And the goblins appear, fight him off. Smoke bomb, smoke bomb. Uh, they escape. No one said smoke bomb though, so they're, that's how you know they're not real ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> Lower uh, caliber. They're not Naruto grade. <laughs> yeah, they can't stop Yakimaro's bleeding, so they go off to a nearby doctor. Um, they get him to a hospital. Take marijuana leaves in it, or no? Uh, no, not marijuana. Uh, tobacco. <laughs> tobacco. <laughs> 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 Someone lives in Washington State. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Right. Uh, they because of what they they did, they were able to do it in time. He'll make a full recovery. Uh, and it's and they have this conversation. The goblins are like, "Oh, then thanks to Fena that we were able to save him." And, and Shatan's like, "No, it's thanks to Fena he got shot, guys." <laughs> She's a witch, and she actually hears this, and and they're like, "Oh yeah, you better explain that now." <laughs> and like, yeah, every time Yakimaro gets hurt, it's because of of you. 
and we were told you're a witch who can bewitch us and I have to kill you if that ever happens. Uh, and so he leaves. She chases after him and says, hey, you can't kill me because you haven't finished training me and you're my friend and I'm a spunky, likable girl and you have to be my friend. And so he pulls on her cheeks I, and he laughs at her and then it works. I love how she just basically goes through the list of the most obvious stereotypes for witches. <laughs> She's like, I don't have a broom. I don't have a black cat. I have a white dog. <laughs> and all these yeah. silly things. And I don't know how many of those silly things are actually even tied to that time period. I don't know how many of them became <laughs> stereotypes later, but it still made me crack up. I thought it was very cute and well done. It, it's a- actually, what I liked about this scene is a lot of times when you get the Someone says the secret out loud when the person behind them hears it and they, you know, she she drops this jug of water. Normally, that person, especially if they're female, runs out of the room crying, right? Yeah. That didn't happen, which I found very refreshing. But then the rest of the crew going, uh, tell her, hey, yeah. this is on you. <laughs> yep. None of them were like, no, I ain't doing it. It's you. You did Shut this. Down, you're in trouble. I just loved all of Senna's rant and how it's literally like bouncing. It's so high energy. that It's like, you haven't finished training me. And also we have to do this stuff and finish our mission. And you still have to train me and the training. You haven't done the training. And we have to keep doing the mission. And just bouncing around wildly to the point where he's like, oh, this is why Yakimaru knocks you around. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, he he goes back with her. And and, um, later, Yakimaru is okay. And he, they have a scene with him and Fena, and he basically takes her hand and kisses it, and says he's always going to protect her, and and very sweet uh, romantic scene. Isn't that when she bonks him back, or is that no. later? That's later. That's, okay. Uh, they, she says here that like she's afraid to go on. She, she's happy with the way things are, and she knows if she finds the answers to whatever this mystery is, it's going to change her life, and is scared to go forward. And he's like, hey, no matter what, I'll be by your side. Don't worry about it. Um, and then we get on the next episode, Abel's big flashback, which is basically him as a prince falling in love with this young girl. They were best friends, grew up together. She ends up getting pregnant from his father and then runs away with a Dutchman, Franz, the the man kind of thinks is her father, uh, marries her and runs away with her. And so Abel loses his his true love. Uh, she is eventually caught and brought back, and and then executed as as I'm guessing as a witch because she was burned at the stake. But uh, which, knowing that yeah. she is not Joan of Arc, is just kind of it leaves it up in the air, like why they thought she was a witch. They, they actually had there nobody mentioned quote unquote charges against her. Um, right. The only the only obvious crime I could see is sleeping with the king. Would be the only reason I could see them going after her or conjuring up uh, charges of witchery because to cover mm-hmm. up the sleeping with the king. Right. Um, but that's why Franz took her away so that she could give birth away in secret. Mm-hmm. One thing I loved about this whole scene is that the background is is changed to watercolor through all of Franz's memories because he paints in watercolors and we see he's been an artist his whole life um, and we see I've seen him painting in watercolors and so yeah the entire background's done in watercolors I thought that was a really cool detail to add in 
So I thought that was just a stylistic representation of um, flashbacks. But now that you mentioned the watercolors that he uses, that is that's very cool. The the only other flashback I remember was Shatan's, and I just remember that had a really what, faded white borders mm-hmm. to it, but I don't remember any like watercolor effect to it. It was only in Abel's flashbacks I remember the watercolor effect. That is a very cool detail. There is a shot later with someone else around watercolors, though, but Abel's there. Yeah, I think that's in Eden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And then we get... Uh, Yakimaro and Fena again having a conversation by the sea, and she brings them brings them some rice balls. Uh, one's got plum, one's got fish. I'll take the fish. This was plum. <laughs> that was and funny. to me, that instantly goes, "Oh, you didn't make these." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but she starts singing a song, and then he sings the lyrics. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's the song you sung as a kid, and I, I you sang it so much, I, I ended up remembering the lyrics." And she's like, well, I don't remember the lyrics. And they start, they're like, wait, these lyrics are really weird and specific and <laughs> relevant to everything we've been doing. And, oh, they're the clues to solving the puzzle. And through – and Jeremy, I'm going to let you talk about it more because I know this is one of your favorite <laughs> scenes. But basically, they go through this whole deduction process uh, and figure out the real coordinates to Eden. But I'll let you explain why you liked it so much. Yeah, I thought it was really cool because up until this point, there wasn't a whole lot of like mystery solving. I mean, sure, we had that raised DS pedestal um, where they looked at the scratched Roman numerals and everything. Um, But until this moment, there was no real decoding of what that information was. And so this was pretty cool. Um, It's interesting because the, the way they present it, you know, you could interpret it in so many different ways. And it winds up just being her saying... I just have a gut feeling that it's this far that we have to flip things because like first they get their, their forward and back to get their, their South and, and East. And then they flip that and then reverse the, the Roman numerals as well. And then they flip it again, forward and back, which changes the value of the Roman numerals, right? So like a four becomes a six and a six becomes a four. Um, but at what point do you stop? Because if a song is giving you your events backwards, but it actually says, you know, from, past to future or whatever the way the way it was put there then at any point you could just stop and say okay well we flipped we've reversed the uh the longitude or the 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 north and and or what was it was south and east we've reversed the south and east to north and west we're done we're finished we can stop there but she kept being like no my gut says we should also do this or he would also say well what if we also do this and in the end they're right and so part of me really likes it because it's an attempt to at least have some kind of code breaking in there but the other half of me is like you just got lucky <laughs> you just got really lucky <laughs> there was nothing decisive about this interpretation i personally didn't like it um <laughs> because there's so much deduction that it's the kind of deduction that happens where it's like if the anime had been given us hints the whole time and then this was like, okay, here's the clues we laid out and here's how you, we had told you about flipping it, remember? So you did you flip it? Um, except for it it does all that explains all of it. But we've never gotten any of this information before. So they're like, oh, we need to flip it. And I'm like, I don't care. You never <laughs> told me. I, I, I'm just watching you solve a problem that I didn't know was a problem. So just get to the answer already because it doesn't change anything for me. Just well, they yeah, told I, it to us in that moment, though, right? Because they said, oh, the events in the song are backwards, so we must have to reverse it. And I think there's also a line where it says, um, 
like the past is the future or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but, yeah, I, but I, I thought gonna, it was all right there. I wasn't going to pause it and then be like, hold on, let me figure this out right before you do. I was like, well, we're at the result. That's exactly so. what I did. <laughs> Fair enough. Which song was it? Bang down, flip it, reverse? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm leaning more towards Troy's camp because one of the frustrating things I think I think it would have been better if they had gone to the original coordinates and there was nothing there. And then they were like, we're empty handed. What do we do here? And then they had some, but downtime. And then during the downtime, they had the cliff moment. She starts humming. He's st- and then also like, Oh, we have a cipher to this thing. And then they go back to the dais because they talked about how the song interacted with the actual dais itself. Um, and if they were, they set, you know, they, they had to dive down or something or, you know, someone dived down and tried to recreate it on a piece of paper or whatever. I think that would have made it a lot more interesting. But I think you're right, Troy. They're just like, oh, we just explained the riddle. Well, it's not really a riddle to the audience, then, is it? Right. Even even if we not didn't have to go as far as what you just said, even if they had solved most of the riddle, gone to a place and said it's not here. But but I'm sitting here like, oh, but the song said reverse the order. So yeah. why didn't you flip it? And then the characters realize that then I could have felt clever and smart. And, and <laughs> that's what I'm really looking for is to make myself feel good. That's <laughs> the sugar. <laughs> I need some validation in my life. Okay. <laughs> okay so they, they tell the, the goblins they set off. But of course, a British officer sees them. Um, but they get to the coordinates and there's a tiny rock sticking out of the ocean. And they now, go up. This this bugged me because the British officer sees them, but he doesn't know their destination. And even if he just gives the direction that they're heading when they leave, they it sounded like they were going. Well, they did say it's not too far away, but I would have expected them at least to have changed some heading due to wind. I mean, the wind must have just been at their back or something for them to do a straight line and not have any kind of arc to it at all. They're in a submarine. What wind do they care about? <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. Absolutely. OK, so in a submarine. Uh, steam submarine nuclear nuclear submarine (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it just to me this one kind of bugged me because i was like okay so the british guy sees them take off in this weird steam submarine so that means that the other guys know exactly where to find them what the what the coordinates are i guess they could extrapolate it because at that point they go okay they're headed in this direction so what combination of these four numbers equals that but i don't know they didn't seem bright enough to just do that extrapolate all that so fair enough this bugged me. All right. So this tiny rock turns into a giant island. It comes out <laughs> of the ocean. And they're like, oh, I guess we did make it here. And so they go onto the island and explore. And they find this lake full uh, with being fed by a bunch of waterfalls. And Fenn is like, I bet under one of those waterfalls is a tunnel. And there is. And she they even go knows which one. Yep. And they they find this empty ancient city inside of it. Uh, and they go down into the city, and and I love this scene. Uh, there, whenever someone asks Fena about Yakimaru, her she turns into like a robot. <laughs> she gets super <laughs> stiff and walks, and and I find that she, she did it once with Yakimaru when she like tries to walk past them, and she just like does a robot walk. Very adorable. Uh, so th- there's some really good scenes in here of character interactions, and I'm just trying to speed us up. Uh, mm. But yeah, they get to. They drop down into a library, and it's like the Library of Alexandria is what it's hinted at. And then there's a giant door at that that uh, Fenn is able to open. And when they go inside that, there's a giant treasure 
cave full of treasure and not just treasure. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant is in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> it's Indiana Jones time. Yeah. So and speaking of that. This bugged me a bit, and it bugged me back at the dais room, and it bugged me here. We have the same issue that we have in Indiana Jones movies and the Uncharted and uh, (laughs) Tomb Raider movies. Hold on, hold on, I gotta get my fighting sleeves on. (laughs) You got the good guys that, like, go through all this trouble and all these curves and puzzles and whatever to get to this thing, and then all of a sudden the bad guy just shows up with very little effort. And it's like, okay, that's... Followed it. A, you didn't see which waterfall we went into, uh, or saw us even land on the island. Uh, And then B, how did you get to us so quickly? Now I know Abel is like possessed, but like the 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 pirate, the the other pirates, it was like I don't know. It, It it felt contrived. I don't like it. Have you ever seen an Indiana Jones movie? I've seen all of them. Well, okay, that's all. I've so, seen the first three. Name name one where the the bad guys don't do a lot of work. I, that makes no sense. Like, if you want to complain about the first Indiana Jones, the fact that Indiana Jones is in it doesn't matter. You could take him out, and the plot's still the same. <laughs> that's the only thing about that Indiana Jones. But like, the bad guys have been digging in the desert for six months looking for the, the tomb, and he just happens, you know, he finds it, and then they see him digging there and go up there. It wasn't like they just accidentally followed him into it. Okay, fine. I'll I'll Thank pull you. Indiana Jones out of the list of things. Uh, Tomb Raider is very, very much uh, a, a, a trespasser in this particular situation. And, and, it's and like Uncharted. Uncharted, almost... you, you go through a bunch of traps, and then you get to the side, and the bad guys like just walk up behind you. Like, hey, thank you or, for... or they're already there. And they came in with a helicopter or something. It's like, well, why didn't I just skip the traps and come in with my helicopter? I'm freaking rich. (laughs) Um, So, so Indiana Jones is is Troy's weeds. (laughs) Always. (laughs) It's it's on that list. You know, the the Matrix, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. they're Mm -hmm. They're all there. So can you tell me what the test was for her? Like to get here? To find this place? Uh, Getting there? Letting a blonde woman give her hints in Germany. Like, but honestly, it seems like there's one. Hold on, let's let's get there. Let's get there. I got to. Okay. Let's get to when we get to the observer talking about the whole thing. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, Fena and Yakimaro go on while Shatan finds the Ark of Covenant and the sword that he was looking for. Everyone else is swimming in treasure duck tail style. Um, She finds this giant keypad on the floor and she does her dance and the dance happens to be the combination we're pressing the tiles on the floor the, the and, and not just she was who taught her franz franz taught her franz, this dance. franz taught her this dance franz taught her right. the dance and the song together not her mom hmm. okay i no. guess so that she'd be able to open this someday oh. no they showed scenes of him like explaining things to her on the boat Okay, I do. I do vaguely remember that by a fireplace. They kept showing a scene of her dancing by a fireplace with him mm-hmm. watching. Anyway, so he does her dance, and then the the tiles on the floor turn into stairs up to water. Like it looks like it goes into water, but when you walk through it, you're not in water. There's no water on either side of the. It's a portal to Eden, but it yeah. looks like you're going through water. 
yeah. Meanwhile, also the British Navy has started to reach the island and come up to it. And so, <laughs> Yakimara and Fena, well, they do call out, like, how does he know which way to go? And Abel's like, it is almost time. Like, he's being guided by some yeah. higher power. It's just never explained. Cody. <laughs> you might be right. Maybe Cody is guiding him. But to for to what end? How does that benefit? Ah. Yeah. Um. They they get through this portal and, and they find the Ark. Like literally, Noah's Ark is up there. <laughs> yeah. Fossilized. Um. And and so they go up there. Meanwhile, the the British army arrives they start fighting the goblins who decide that they're going to defend fena and yakimaru and then abel goes up uh he, he just walks right past because <laughs> i start glowing red he kills the captain because the captain wanted to touch the treasure his eyes are glowing red he goes up the stairs and a storm is created in eden because he's there he I sees did Yaki- like how Subaki was like if we die we die <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> canary tweet <laughs> Abel's all pissed off because he's like, hey, you you remind me of that guy who took um, the girl away. Her name. And the sky turns Bronze. red and like red lightning everywhere. That didn't What's make sense. That? What was the mom's name? Not Helena. Hannah. Helena. Helena. Like, he keeps seeing Helena in, in Fred's place. Anyway, him and Yakimaru have a fight. He gets his sword arm cut off, but he stabs Yakimaru. No, he gets his gun arm. Gun arm. Gun arm. Then uses sword arm cut uh helena spirit appears kind of messed up that it's on fire (laughs) (laughs) yep super messed up uh but he goes to her he dies walking to her but his spirit comes out and he his spirit gets to go with her to eden uh so like i said here's your cup or in my version of my head uh, (laughs) the flames around him burned his spirit to hell hey there you go (laughs) hell cannon (laughs) Um, then Cody walks across the island, also turns into Franz, comes up to them, and he's like, hey, it's time. And they're like, oh, Franz, how are you alive? He's like, I'm not Franz. I'm not Cody. I'm the observer. (laughs) And, but does that mean Franz was the observer that whole time? Okay. Yes. And he's an alien from Zentar. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tom Cruise. None of this is <laughs> So here's how he explains it. All right. You are the maiden. You went through this test, and now that you're here, you get to make a choice. And We have these maidens every once in a while, and they have to make the choice. And the choice is, do we end the world and restart it anew without all the, the sin and violence that is happening now? But everyone dies except for you and, and the person you love, and you'll get to be on an ark. Uh, until the new souls arrive or do you keep things going on by the way here here's the here's your mom burning here's possible futures of all your friends dying time to make the choice and look this is you and yukimaro on a boat yeah. <laughs> on the ark wouldn't it, this be nice <laughs> it feels a little, little good style persuasive. Yeah. yeah a little manipulative to try <laughs> to get her to make a certain choice uh, <sighs> jeremy you what did you want to say yeah. here about yeah, so I have one major issue with this. Uh, I mean, I have a few other issues, but one major issue, and that is he says that they have to pass certain tests, these maidens, in order to, to get over here to find Eden. So the only test that I saw her passing 
was essentially acquiring the code block and then knowing the song and figuring out what the song was. Everything else was given to her because once she arrived at the coordinates, the island shows up and she seems to automatically know through divine providence where to go to get to Eden. So there's only one. Well, I mean, you could also say the dance, but that's taught to her by an observer. Right. So if the observers give her all of the tools to solve the test and then guide her to the place where she makes the decision, then the, there's no real test here. Yes. If if you can solve some basic puzzle solving, you are set to judge humanity. <laughs> yes. And this That's happens not how I took it. after generation. <laughs> how I took it was, hey, can you get to Eden? Um, and you know, that's not only was it not an easy task to, you know, get a couple decoder rings, but, um, you're talking about a location out in the middle of the ocean, no matter where she lived, whether it was at the brothel place or on England, being able to get a boat and get there, um, obviously took a tremendous amount of either circumstance or, you know, resources or whatever. Um, so, you know, this, there was a lot here for her already because there was a whole group of people waiting to do her, you know, Franz's bidding. Um, but that to me was the test. My issue with it was you've now just opened up this entire can of worms when it comes to the, god or observer or you know entity that is has this cyclical cycle that's dependent on the whims of a particular bloodline yeah um i having a really tough time justifying any of that storytelling wise so i agree with jason i i think the real test is hey we wanted you to just experience the world go to multiple countries and meet a bunch of people and and that way you are suited to judge but that's not a test isn't the right word for that like we just wanted you to be world traveled and experienced to be ready to make yeah. this call i don't know why it's a test i don't also, also go ahead okay i i just want to make one quick response is the observer said that that they contrived situations in order to make sure that she was prepared to solve the test so if that means getting the uh, goblin knights to serve that family that she's in if that means getting abel and the pirates to make sure that every situation was contrived so that she could get there then even the act of getting the boats and getting the crew wasn't really her it was them the 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 other hiccup is if anywhere in this story she died, uh-huh. like the bloodline's Lines over, over. <laughs> like, there's no more maidens. Yep. This is it. Yep. Yep. Yes. I, I can see it as look like we made it. So you needed the goblin knights, but if they, you didn't befriend them, if they didn't like you and didn't come to rescue you later, then then you fail that part of the test. You had to be a good enough person to convince these goblins to like you. And then you had to survive a crazy madman who, who just really likes your mom. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, Creepy it, observers. Like, the, the deeper I go into it, the worse it sounds. So I'm just going to yeah. stop there. Um, I do. I would want to ask though, since there's already an arc here 
Does that mean Noah's wife was a maiden and she chose to yes. wipe out the world? That's what that's, they're saying. That's yes. the implication that this is like this isn't the first time we've destroyed humanity. So yes. you don't even end the cycle of, of violence. You just stall it for a while until it's yep. time to start judging it again. Yep. That was another thing that bugged me is like at some point you're going to get a maiden that just says, yeah, go ahead. I'm a little bit of a selfish maiden and I want to be with this guy. <laughs> he hits me on the head. Yeah. I took out a lot of loans. I don't want to pay those back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or she, she wouldn't remember because that's the cost is you forget everything from this point back. You become a blank slate, which is I don't know. I'm sorry, but this is a silly, silly decision because you could just as easily say you forgot everything from the moment you arrived at Eden or you forgot everything right. from the moment you arrived at El Dorado. And this is what I was talking about with the whole mystery box thing. It's like the mis- what's in the mystery box never seems to pan out. I felt this like end all treasure or goal or thing that they had to get to was just kind of fell flat. Like, ooh, humanity survives or <laughs> we destroy it all. You choose. And it's like, Hi, princess. Who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you, you had mentioned in pre-show that you didn't think this ending fit the adventure we went on. And I was on the opposite boat where I'm like, we're deciding the apocalypse here. And one of the steps was like just talking to a hot chick in Germany. That doesn't feel like these two things connect to me. Like, that's not the epic voyage to decide the fate of humanity. That is that is like, hey, I found out I have a cousin out there, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, right, it sounds um, like you guys are see you see saying the same thing from both different different angles. Yeah. Um yeah. Also, so each time that a maiden <laughs> Okay, okay, so 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 there's one more criticism. Every maiden has to have a child with a king in order to propagate the bloodline. I'm not sure that was ever stated. It was just Helena's job. Hmm. So I wonder Wait. why it would be Helena's job to have a child with a king and not just with anyone. So Because Fra- uh, Cody or Franz said specifically, Helena had to have a child with the king in order for that child to be eligible to get to Eden. So either that means that that's required for their contrivances in order to make sure she can get to Eden, or... That's a standard requirement of any maiden that arrives at Eden to get in the door's royal blood. I don't or Helena failed the test, and in order to pass it on to the next maiden, they gave her some weird test. Mm. See, and that that's where this all falls apart. And we could go on for hours on what ifs and what can and who what, but it's like that's why this ending feels so unsatisfying. It just it felt yeah. so contrived. We don't know if there's a higher being above this observer. We don't know what their real plan was for right. the Earth, whether they're even in control because they're giving the whims of Apocalypse to some naive girl that happened to be likable. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I just didn't like it. Yeah. So so let me rephrase it then. And and my issue winds up being that these observers actually go in and decide who she's going to mate with. Whether it's going to be a king or whether it's going to be anybody else doesn't even really matter as much. If we just look at it in those terms, they're literally deciding you're going to mate with this person and produce this child. And you're so they're manipulating things in order to have a maiden that they want. So what happens if 
the maiden actually makes the decision either way because she loses her memory in both states, right? Whether she says, yes, destroy or yes, keep. She loses all of her memory and she's a blank slate. So then the observer comes in and says, now I want you blank slate to go and, and mate with this person over here so that you can produce the next child in the line. Like there's something really creepy and wrong about the entire situation with the way that the observers are treating these maidens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to say a positive thing and then we're going to move on. Okay. That's I, I do like it when there's like a archaeology mystery type story. Indiana yeah. Jones, very much a good example of this. And that ends with, Oh, by the way, that legend was real. You know, it's, it's 90% fighting Nazis, sneaking on submarines. And then, Oh yeah. Holy weapon from God turns <laughs> on and it's real. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy that. So I do enjoy this twist of, this went to a bizarre and like a cult supernatural ending. I do like, I think they just misstepped heavily when they hit it. I do like that. They tried. That's what I'll say. I agree with that. Okay. Someone should have stopped them at the story. Board. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> no try for you. <laughs> so Fena makes her choice. While she definitely would love to be on a boat with Yakimaro forever, she also really cares about the other goblins and, and the rest of the people in the world. So she decides not to end humanity. Uh, and so we see her, like, her flying up into the sky, and Yakimaro is trying to jump after her and saying, I'll find you. And she's like, I'm afraid I'm not going to be the same person once my memories are gone. Uh, but I, I did, I want to tell you, I care about you, and I did have feelings for you. And he's like, I'm going to find you. I'm going to, no matter what it takes, I'm going to bring you back. And then he wakes up on a beach. She's standing in the waves, but now she has long black hair or brown, dark hair. Um, and she's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who I am. And he's like, well, you're Fena. I'm Yakimaru. You're my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, the, the rest of the goblins are in the boat full of treasure are like, Hey guys, we found you because the island was collapsing. So we got out. And this uh, island you happened to land on was real close. Yeah, which makes it like he threw you all the way to the Caribbean. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> uh, so then we kind of go into an epilogue. Yeah, she's introduced the thing like you don't remember, and like, okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sail around the world, going to everywhere we just were, and try to help you remember who you were. And they we see like flashes of them going through this journey. We also see uh, Shatan's brother stop on the boat and they hand him the sword and they just like give a nod and he's off. Even though they had a scene where the Shatan's dad was like, can you beat him in a sword fight? He's like, no. Or I don't know. It's been so long and it yeah. never happens. They never. I'm like, that's going to be a good fight. Ne never fight. Subverted your expectations. Well, he has the world ruling <laughs> sword. So. That would have been a really cool storyline. <laughs> I want to say. All right. Uh, what else happens? They see they go to, when they're at the port town. They see the the girl pirates. The German girl. They meet the. <laughs> yep. They go to the German girl again. Uh, and then at the very end, they're sailing. Yuki gives Fena the weapon that he had in the beginning that she had returned to him. That he had been bonking her on the head with. He promised promises that he's going to get her memories back and be, be by her side forever until they're old and that he loves her and she bonks him on the head and they kiss and that's the end. 
well implied, I guess. They lean into each other. I don't think it's. He like leans down and the, the camera pans away. <laughs> Did you guys see the two little blonde children, the boy and the girl that ran yes. across? Yeah. I have okay, so I have an issue with that too because not enough time has passed for those two to be reincarnated. <laughs> no, not at that age. Well, <laughs> there's they and they disappear when she turns around. I wonder if it's just a vision because oh, then she gets it. the voice in her head. Are you trying to get your memories back? Mm-hmm. But of course, how is she going to know any context around that if she's amnesic? Yeah, exactly. The, oh, I'm so. Yeah. Just to clarify, Abel, after going on a horrific murder spree across the ocean, gets to be reunited with his one true love for all time. <laughs> you know? Great message. <laughs> okay. Let's go on to our final reviews. Uh, Jeremy, what, what did you think? Um, so I don't have anything that I'm particularly, like, upset about. Sure, the show has some misbeats, missteps. It's not great. It's definitely not a hall of famer for me. Um, the name pirate princess, I just don't think was a good choice because it gave me the expectation that she was actually going to be a pirate. Um, she was technically a princess, but she was not a pirate. And there's honestly, the pirates are only in it for like half the season. So it, it's just kind of weird to have that name on the title. It gives you a weird expectation. A lot of things were dropped, right? Like, so the knights, I expected the knights to stick around longer, and they were just dropped after episode, I think it was two. And then you had the pirates, got their ship blown out from underneath them. They were dropped. And then you have Kay with the amazing sword fight that never happens, right? The brother. It, it's it's weird. It's almost like they were saying, oh, we want to leave these threads open because we don't know where we're going, or because if we have enough time, maybe we'll add something here. Or I don't know if that was what was going on or not, but it kind of seems like it was to me. But I still found the characters funny and cute and entertaining. Like I said at the beginning, it was refreshing. It's a very light anime. It, The soundtrack makes it want to be heavier, want to be very romantic and just kind of sweep you off your feet, and carry you along. But that just didn't work very well for me. So I'm, I'm going to give it a three, but um, it was a fun, it was a cute three. It was a nice three. All right, Jason, what'd you think? Uh, this had a lot of great parts to it, and unfortunately, putting all those great parts together did not make a great whole of its son. Um, as we've debated multiple occasions during this this review, the ending was muddy and just not refined. There's a lot of really good threads here that just kind of don't go into anything. Um, but it's, it's a gorgeous anime. Um, and I didn't hate watching it. I actually really liked the interactions between the characters. Um, so yeah, uh, like Jeremy said, it's not top 10 list, but it's definitely a, a solid three for me. Jeremy at the beginning called this parsley. I call it celery. Uh, no. Give me a piece of celery. I'm going to eat it. I like celery. I enjoy the taste of celery, but I've never <laughs> once thought I want celery. <laughs> that's that's where I am. At, at it. It, I think it's also better on paper than it was executed, but it was still executed competently enough. So three, it's, it's middle. It's about as middle as an anime I think I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> but I also got to 
my, I got my seven year old son could be in the room for this one, and, yeah. and and he likes seeing the pirates and stuff. So three point five or whatever, you know, give it a high three at least. Cause, cause <laughs> that was nice. That was nice to do. Uh, this might be the first anime we've seen in like the past eight anime that we haven't seen a decapitation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kid friendly. Yeah. You know, I I'll still prefer something like Sunny Boy that makes me question my existence, but. Also, sometimes you just want to watch a ninja and a pirate fight. It's fine. Mm. Uh, our next anime, uh, again, it's the the Star Wars Visions Anthology, which is our movie pick for the year. And then after that, Jeremy and Jason will be picking their, we call it the rule-free or retro. Uh, basically, they, no matter how old the anime is, just something they've always wanted to see or something that they w- have always wanted to talk about on the podcast, they get to pick that anime. Uh, we do that at the start of every year. We hope you had a, a great holidays and a Merry Christmas. Uh, if you want to talk about Fanapire Princess with us, pre- please reach out to us on our Twitter at Baka Podcast. Give us a shout out on our website, theanimebakaclub.com, or leave a comment wherever you found the podcast and it'll come back to us. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Sayonara. <laughs>